0: My brain would be jumping to the to reducing waste, um, and I read an article this week about um, society being obsessed with newness. And it's just driven sort of this consumerism, you know, which we're all really used to. And, um, you know, and it goes on every level. You know, we're approaching Christmas, so there'll be new sofa and TV adverts because there seems to be. And I've never really understood this one, but this pull that at Christmas we have to have a new sofa and a new TV um, to have the family round.
1: That was Emma richardson Caladine, and this is the Bailiwick Pod with me, James Filial. So COP26 is done. Climate change has had its week leading the news agenda. Now what happens next? Is it all blah, 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 or are enough people now calling for lasting, meaningful change? Locally, we have the trade-off between carbon neutrality and net zero, and a focus on basically how much you use your car, how often you fly, and how you heat your home. For those of us who dutifully drive to La Collette every weekend to do our recycling, yes, my parish of St Clement seems to be the last place in the island, perhaps the whole nation, which has no curbside facility, where does recycling fit into it all? It's perhaps unbelievable that after all these years of recycling, we're still having the same old discussions about it. To fit all of that together, my guest on the pod today is Emma richardson canadine who was the recycling manager with the government for around 14 years, but has now moved into her own consultancy called Waving Back, focusing on sustainability. Emma, welcome to the pod. Do you feel recycling fell off the COP agenda in some ways?
0: That's a really interesting question, and I think there were lots of things that were relevant um, and that you can take away to apply to, to waste management, and your reduce, reuse, and recycle. And that was all about the behaviour change, which was embedded throughout the COP. Um, And what was really interesting was that looking at how all of the individual countries are making the action plans and taking that down from that sort of macro level down to individual level of what we all can do. And I think that's something... That we can all play a part of, and that 's relevant to the carbon neutral strategy in Jersey because that 's very people powered and it 's about making those differences that we can all play a part in and waste management is a really interesting topic to apply that to because we all generate rubbish, um, we all throw something in the bin you know at least at least once a day, probably a lot more and thinking about there's so much we can think about that Um, from working in recycling for many years when I started it was really a decision about what bin do you throw something in you know, is there a, a can bin when you finished a, a fizzy drink, as an example? But how that is changing now is recycling's, you know, moving forward and becoming the norm. Um, and I know it's still not the norm for everybody, um, but is it being a big part of sort of normative behaviour now, nowadays? And um, the conversation has evolved not from what bin do I throw it into, but actually, you know should I have generated this waste in the first place? So if we were talking maybe about a plastic bottle of water, actually not is there a plastic bottle bin for me, but actually why didn't I use a, a refillable bottle Um and then, looking at the wider supply chain, where can I refill that bottle once i 've i 've emptied it I refilled it at home this morning? you know where can I go for free refills? Are there organizations that are supporting that behavior as part of their own um, social responsibility plans and looking at sort of how that spans out like a spider web of the responsibilities so that all of those things support each other, and that 's when you end up with the real behavior change and what is frustrating and and I'm sort of fascinated with this positive behavior change around sustainability but actually the problems and lots of the problems that they were talking about at the COP were potential sort of shifting the issue from one thing to another actually not still um, more work needs to be done around those behavior change so elements so um, transport you know is a big one um, for our carbon neutrality but lots of people think electric vehicles are the solution and for me um, that that's very frustrating because actually the behavior isn't changing people are running and swapping their diesel car for an electric car Um, but they're still not rethinking actually their their transport needs and could they reduce that and and have more sustainable transport solutions rather than still being an individual in an electric car stuck in a traffic jam of electric cars
1: it's really interesting isn't it so you, it, it's kind of the, the behavioral change which is becoming more important than recycling specifically so would you say that that had kind of dropped down the priority list the, the kind of direct act of recycling something
0: i think so it 's all different parts of the journey all at once, so um, there are still lots of conversations um, that are topical around recycling as still moving towards all twelve parishes having household recycling collections, and getting that basic recycling service to everyone 's doorstep is really important um, so definitely those conversations still fundamental, um, but looking actually at the bigger picture. The conversation, the more important conversation is really around reducing waste um, and then what waste we're left with. Can we be reusing it, repurposing it Um, from looking at a a business perspective? um, If you generate a waste, could that waste be someone else's resource? Um, so an example is coffee grounds. Um, you know, my understanding is that mushrooms grow really well in coffee grounds. So, you know, s- linking up businesses where one has that waste, one has that need for that, where it sees it as a valuable material, you've solved potentially a lot of that waste solution. That waste has almost disappeared. Um, and then you're getting into talking about the circular economy and this is really where, where someone else's waste is someone else's resource and putting it back through that cycle. So you're really trying to design out waste and I think this is where the real exciting conversations are happening and you can probably tell in my voice that's much more exciting than actually saying well, what bin shall I put my plastic bottle in? Um, and I think for everybody that that's a lot more exciting but that is a much bigger conversation and is... Involves each step of the supply chain, um, so back, back to electric vehicles, um, you know lots of brilliant science innovation happening to try and solve the solutions that you know that these last few generations have created, um, but it isn 't solving everything. Um, you know, there's been lots of talk in the news recently around the batteries in electric vehicles. You know, what happens to those? And that shouldn't be the end user's, um, you know, problem or the, the local authority, the government's problem. Um, the Those people designing the things, all up the supply chain, need to have a responsibility throughout that cycle. Um, but it is creating an issue for the future. And this, for me, is something that doesn't seem to be spoken about enough, um, and I'm really lucky to be working around sustainability. and for me, that means you know that we live within you know satisfy our needs without compromising the needs of the future generation. But if we're creating a product that generates a waste and we don't have a solution for that waste, we're relying on future generations to solve that problem for us. on one hand, you know, it's really positive. We've got the faith and the science and in generations to come to be able to solve that problem. But equally, we're leaving a problem as a legacy, um, which sits quite uncomfortably with me within the context of sustainability. And relevant again to the COP, as Obama was talking, I think more targeted at young people saying, stay angry about climate change. And I think this is relevant to this, you know, stay angry, I'm not saying... You know, angry protests or anything like that, but real sort of critical thinking, really challenging what's going on. Because leaving a problem for the future um, it on sort of within, wrapped up within sustainability, I think that flags up lots of questions.
1: So let's go into that in some more depth then, because we're talking about behaviour change um ostensibly so maybe the um electric car example is a good one to to pick up on that so someone's driving a petrol or a diesel car at the moment i mean would you encourage them within the next year or so to change out of that to an electric car or that's not a behavior change that that you really want them to take at the moment because their petrol or diesel car could last for another 20 years so there's a lot of waste created if they change that behavior at the moment so just give them some help around that decision
0: yeah it's um really i would apply sort of your the the waste hierarchy which i always worked to working within waste management of your and the three r's that i uh, sort of used to go into schools and talk about about your reduce and reuse and recycle and it's it's a bit bigger than that you know it spans about making making a responsible purchasing decision um at, at the top of that pyramid um but then Sort of, you get the maximum amount of life out of that product, you know, the environmental and financial investment you've made, you know, make that work really hard. Um, and there's you know, some local industries popping up that are repairing things and obviously, the charity sector do reuse really well. So if it is something you don't need anymore or well, somebody else can get a really good use out of that. And then, when it is at the end of its useful life, then let's look at recycling. And if it can't be recycled, then it is a waste. Um, so, behaviour change will be sort of governed within the parameters of sort of government policy. Um, there will be that push to be wor- wor- working towards that um, sort of behaviour change. But really, the bit that I'm interested in is not what type of car you drive, it's why are you in the car. Um, you know, can there be some uh, some other sort of behaviour changes? So whether it is, um, you know, the world has moved forward so much in the last two years um, and people are talking more about hybrid working. So is there a case that you don't go into the office every day? So actually that has a transport benefit. You're not getting in the car. Um, on the days you can, could you do something other than go in the car? And maybe, you know, still working our way towards coming out of the pandemic maybe it's not the right time to be talking about car sharing but other sustainable ways of um, of getting around Um, for me my my working sort of arrangements have changed so much from being in an office and on site every day um, to being at home and communicating you know every day using all of the platforms that we're now used to and probably had never heard of two years ago that is the norm Um, and so that that does have an impact to our transport patterns so there's definitely more so I guess the transport equivalent of why are you in the car is um, what bin do I put this in you know there's bigger conversations to have which have a much bigger impact
1: can I take you on to two other but probably even thornier issues which is heating in the home and flying obviously you know as islanders we you know we fly very often so it's quite hard to change behaviors there i mean obviously you could you could change your boiler out right? you could swap it for something other than a, than a fossil fuel boiler big cost there though for families that's that's an expense and on the flying side i mean if you're going to go and see friends or families or work it's always practical to to not fly so i just wonder what your comments there are around changing behaviors because perhaps not quite so easy in those two areas
0: no i think there's in regard to to sort of heating of the home again there's some behavior change things you know there's there's lots of Of um, information out there about the impact that actually dropping your heating um, a degree and the benefit actually that has. And it is um, quite amazing the positive benefit that has of um, putting an extra uh, jumper on or something or um, putting your slippers on instead of walking around barefoot. And there's some things you can do within the home, which, and the brilliant thing about that, as well as the environmental benefit, is it saves you money. Um, And I've done quite a bit of work around food waste. And again, you know, the less you you throw away, the more money you save. So there's a nice tangible benefit for, for people with the heating. Um, I think there's some conversations around future developments and what type of heating is put in new homes and when homes are sort of renovated and making that easier and more information out there so that the old technologies which we we don't want to be continuing to invest in on environmental grounds are slowly phased out um, but there is a new norm if you like coming in that is supported um and as you buy a new home, you move to to a new build, you know, that becomes the norm. Um, so I think there's, there's some work to be done around there. Um, with transport and tra- tra- more sort of further afield travel, it's a really interesting one. And I've um, done some work around um, sustainable tourism recently in the UK. And one of the conversations that that we were having was around um, businesses helping their customers. So um, if it was sort of my family traveling from here to to stay somewhere in the UK, um, that that's the place I was staying in would be helping me calculate my carbon footprint and um, one of the speakers was encouraging these business owners to have some carbon calculators and to encourage customers to calculate that as part of their booking process and to be doing some offsetting and again lots of conversations to be had around offsetting Um, but there is some positive outcomes that can be generated and there are some issues around making sure they're the right schemes and they do have a, a real positive benefit in the place that they're saying they do, and it's not sort of greenwash and it sounds great, but actually doesn't achieve very much. So as long as it's genuine, um, then um, I think there is some means around that because, of course, you know, more so than ever, you know, we want to explore and see our loved ones. Of course, we do. Um, and the world's an exciting place to explore. Um, but as well as thinking about the travel then there is the flip side of sort of changing behaviour, but also recognising that the behaviour that you do follow through with has an environmental impact. So potentially, could we see in years to come, you've got the cost of travel, but included within that is some offsetting, um, which becomes the norm as part of our travel. If you do want to do something, there is a consequence, and that's a personal responsibility to help balance the books, if you like.
1: One of the um, the factors which has been discussed a lot recently, both locally and internationally, I guess, after COP26, has been dates, you know, targets 2030, 2050, 2080, whatever, you know, people are coming up with. Where do you stand on those dates? Because there, there is, there has been made the argument that you make it more aggressive and you pull it further forward, you create waste. So do you think you need a target or is it better to... Uh, to kind of gradually change people's behavior and work with them and get them to to do something over a longer period of time rather than for- force them to do something artificially quickly.
0: I think it's a bit of both. Um I do think the targets really help focus the conversations. Um, I think if you'd had, you know, the world leaders around the tables with no target, um would we have been see- would you see the outcomes that we did? Last weekends, and I'm doubtful. I think the dates do have do, do are really important, um, but equally, you're exactly right. By forcing some things, you are generating a waste by forcing that behaviour change. Um, but it is really interesting because you know, climate change is a global issue. You know, as much as you can have targets in Jersey, targets in the UK, targets wherever they are. and We're all working towards the same grand plan, um, but it is a global issue. Um, and I'm um, doing some work with the University of Exeter, and they're focused on donuts economics, um, which is a sort of an environmental slant on um, economic models and looking at economic models in terms of sustainability and growth. Captured within this donut so that it remains sustainable and um, changes the differences in society and global differences so that we are living on a more sustainable planet. And really interesting in um, a, a chapter that we were focusing on, um, there was a student from India, um, and the conversation was about sort of. Um, carbon accounting i think in in whatever plan they had and the the student said that's not our priority and i think that's what we've been seeing as well of of the cop of this of many places in the world really keen to grow their economies and improve their standard of living but following the the model that's gone before that comes at a huge environmental cost um and there's so much work to be doing around that sustainable developments um, and supporting those countries grow but sustainably but equally not hindering their growth because of the mistakes that have of of um, you know established successful economies that have gone before them um, so it's a huge huge topic um, and I think to go back to your question, yeah, absolutely target's important. Um but you're right in highlighting that the sort of the, the almost artificial push that puts on behaviour change generates its own problems and I don't have the answer to that. Um other than yeah, I think we all need to recognise that there is potentially waste byproducts and I guess where there is an opportunity is for people to identify where those new pockets of waste are. And to try and identify if those pockets of waste are a resource for something else and be applying that circular economy model, which may be asking the impossible. Um, but I'm sure there are, there are items there that there are some real, really good opportunities, whether it's commercial or with the third sector or just small scale innovation. Um, but we need to keep moving forwards.
1: What would I mean? Speaking of moving forwards, what what would you you most like to see change first in Jersey? Is it as simple as uh, recycling more than just plastic bottles? I mean, it's an obvious example which people come up with. You know, it's only plastic bottles which are recycled, not other plastics. Milk cartons aren't recycling all that. You know, that's been in the news for, for quite a few years now. Um, glass, I understand, we're not we're crushing, but we're not going to be recycling glass for the next couple of years. What what um, what would you most like to change? Is it is it something like that? Or is it recycling more electricals, which you've touched on already? Or, or is it this kind of wider behaviour change, and if so, what? I just wanted to get down to that kind of specifics. If you had to say, right, in the next couple of years, that's what I think we should do first. Where would your brain go? What would you say?
0: My brain would be jumping to the weight of reducing waste. Um, and I read an article this week about um, society being obsessed with newness, and it's just driven sort of this consumerism, you know, which we're all really used to. And, um, you know, and it goes on every level. You know, we're approaching Christmas, so there'll be new sofa and TV adverts, because there seems to be, and I've never really understood this one, but this pull that for at Christmas, we have to have a new sofa and a new TV um, to have the family round. And, you know, through the year, you see these adverts sort of drip fed to support that buying behaviour, but do you really need a new sofa or, or a new TV? Um, and it comes with that sort of the, sort of the mentality that I think we've, for, for many, many generations, has been almost sort of fostered and that, you know, you get, the, you get the promotion so I can afford the new car or we can afford a bigger mortgage. And it's, it's constantly then not only putting pressure on yourself to maintain that and increase that but putting pressure on this on this newness and this buying more and um and so i would be focusing on waste reduction and that thinking sort of rethinking our behavior on do we need this and if but and if we are buying this let's make it you know the most the most sustainable choice we can um, and thinking about so fast fashion is within there um, and done some work with schools around that and absolutely it's brilliant you can go and buy an outfit for I don't know we'll say the Halloween party um, for for whatever number of pounds it is, but there's some tonnages of how actually, you know, how many tons of Halloween costumes end up in the rubbish every year. Um, And textiles has got a massive environmental footprint. Um, When you're thinking of the crops that are grown to generate the textiles in the first place, you know, there's some element of plastics in there as well with our man-made fibres, but um, sort of right from growing a plant through to the clothes that we wear, you um, know, massive environmental footprint. Um, and food, you know, every... I think it's it started off, I think when I started in recycling, being one bag in, th- in every three of food, of food was wasted. And I think it's about one in five now. But still, you know, we all have a rough idea of what a bag of shopping costs. And when you're throwing that much food waste in the bin, albeit sort of drip-fed throughout the week or a couple of weeks... You know, you've burned. So you might as well have thrown sort of twenty pounds in the bin, and no, none of us in our right mind are going to do that. So there's financial saving, as well as the environmental. But yeah, it's really rethinking that behaviour. And there's some lovely um, sort of social media posts going around at the moment, which have been sort of doing the rounds for a few years around Christmas shopping, um, and actually buying memories, so buying maybe theatre tickets or um, whatever it might be instead of stuff. You know, let's try and buy less stuff. And I know there will be people that say, well, that, you know, puts the shops out of business and that puts shop workers out of business. And there is, but the economy will change. You know, businesses will change and evolve with this as they are going to have to. You know, there's been lots of different changes within the commercial sector. Um, and I think those small changes not only will potentially will help save people money, but um, And reduce environmental footprint. But I think there's lots of sort of health and well-being benefits around there. So instead of buying me a a new candle, you know, um, why not, you know, buy two tickets and we'll go to the theatre. And actually, there's a really nice, you know, memory around there that I can, you know, it's just got a wider impact. Um, So, yeah, I would be focusing on that obsession with newness um, and the behaviour change around reversing that.
1: Emma Richardson-Calladine, thanks for your time on the pod. So reduce, reuse, recycle. The mantra and the priority order still applies, even though net zero and carbon neutrality have made a late bid for Christmas number one. That's all from the pod this week. Remember, you can find it in all of the usual pod places and keep up to date with what's happening in Jersey every day with Bailiwick Express. Com. The music you can hear incidentally at the beginning and about now is I Shift My Weight by Luno. Thanks for listening. Remember to like and share. It really helps. And there'll be more on the pod next week.